Thank you, Lord. Put that back here. Well, good morning, church. You guys ready for the word? Are you guys ready for the word? All right. That's better. So uh, we are in a series on the glory of God. God's word to us this year is that we are going to see his glory. And uh, I, I am already seeing it in our personal life. Some great testimonies already this month. And uh, I'm also getting testimonies coming in. You've heard them already each Sunday so far through January. But uh, I want to read another one to you that's just so fun. I love it when Jesus is doing things and then we get to hear about it. It just uh, increases our expectation. So this is from Mayor, who uh, is one of the uh, people in the worship team up here. And uh, this is what she says. Hi, Pastor John. I've wanted to write to you about what recently happened to me at the beginning of this month, January, one Sunday at our church. But I was, start, but I was stalling because I had to understand it myself first. Now, last week I was preaching a message called Above and Beyond. We're going to continue that message today. And that is that Jesus does above and beyond, the scripture says, what we ask for, specific asking, or can even imagine. And we're going to look at that again today. We're going to look at a story in the Bible again last week, and we're going to walk through it together. But this is one of those examples. It's just not hyper preaching. This is God. God can go beyond what we ask or even imagine. And this happened for her. She says, I was stalling because I had to understand it myself first. That's called amazement, by the way. The Bible says that Jesus says, I will do even greater things than this so that you may be amazed. God does signs and wonders. Do you know what wonders are for? They're to make you wonder. When we reduce God down to our peanut-sized brains, and if we don't understand it, we don't believe it, that's not much of a God to worship. That's why we have to allow God to make us wonder. Do things out of the box. Do things that make us uncomfortable because we can't control them. You can't control God. That's like grabbing a hold of a, a live wire. I think you can control the electricity. That's just natural law. God is God. He created electricity. He spoke the worlds into existence with two words out of his mouth. Light be. I mean, imagine if you were standing next to him and he's about to do it. You're like, well, God, I don't know. This just seems a little extreme. I'm not really sure you can create light at 186,000 miles per second with two words coming out of your mouth. I mean, thank God you weren't there. I was stalling because I had to understand it myself first. I didn't know how to describe what I was feeling about the healing I received during a prayer team session when she came down front here to uh, be prayed for with these prayer teams. Uh, but, I, I, but, uh, but I think I do now, so I'm ready to tell you. First, the background story. I've had issues on and off with my left knee from taking dance fitness classes, and recently I hurt my knee even worse getting off a ski lift. My ski got caught under my husband's, and it tweaked my knee pretty bad. We were about to leave on another ski trip and it was hurting me. So I was worried about it. That Sunday, I decided to come down to ask for prayer, but I should mention I've been skeptical about doing so because though I've heard of many stories of healing with the laying on of hands, I myself have never seen or experienced it. 
So I received prayer from Carol and Mark, and at the tail end, Bella also joined us. Mark asked me my current pain level, and I believe I said three or four. He instructed me to sit down, and he and Carol laid hands on my knee. I can't remember a single word of what anyone prayed as I was too focused on the sensation in my body. As they began to pray, she bolted this, both legs from hips to my knees tensed up as if someone else had control of them. I was totally relaxed mentally, so I had no reason to be tense in my legs. Anyway, there was a period of time of about 20 to 30 seconds when I couldn't relax my quad muscles. They were completely contracted, and then suddenly they relaxed. I was so stunned, and I probably would not have spoke about it immediately, except that precisely the moment they relaxed, Mark said, did you feel anything? I couldn't say no, of course, so I told them all just what happened and that I had no pain left in my knee, none whatsoever. In reality, I struggled for a few weeks about how I felt about being touched this way by the Holy Spirit for the first time. I was wrestling with what I felt and if there was some sort of unbelief or lack of faith on my part because I just couldn't believe it really happened. Anybody ever done that before? Your prayer again answers, and you're like, I can't believe it. Well, you had enough faith for it to happen, so you don't have to feel bad about it. I came up with many possible explanations, but none of them could explain the tension I felt in both of my quads. Finally, last night, I realized what you call my reaction. And it almost is funny how simple it is. I was amazed. Because that's what I told her on the phone. He did something to amaze you. That's it. It's that simple. I throw the word amazing around a lot. I use it in all sorts of situations regarding food, nature, etc. But then in the bold's most amazing of circumstances, I drew a blank. I hope this makes sense to you. And if it does, maybe you can explain it. And if it does, maybe you can explain it to me better. (laughs) Nope. That's sufficient. Thank you, Jesus, for that, and we pray that you do more and more and more of that in this house. As I am preaching above and beyond, I am asking that you, we are all asking that you, Jesus, go, say it out loud, above and beyond what we are asking or imagining. The word glory, God said this year we're going to see his glory. The word glory, the definition, we looked at this, I'm going to skip over this very quickly, and then we're going to get into the story today. Weightiness, heaviness honor, visible splendor, power, wealth, authority, magnificence, fame, dignity, riches, and excellency. God said this year, you, we, our city, San Diego, are going to physically see his glory. We learned last week that the way God receives glory in the church is when he does things above and beyond what we ask or even imagine. That would sound like hyper-preaching, except that it's Scripture and it's the nature of God. Look at this passage we looked at last week. I'll do it quickly. Now to Him. Let's read this out loud together. Come on, church. Out loud. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. See how that works? We believe. He goes beyond our belief. Our kids see it. Our grandchildren see it. It goes forever and ever to all generations. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Amen. The word abundantly means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, 
surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Today I want us to look into uh, the story again, jump right back into where we left off. And here's what I'm going to do with this story. I'm going to read through this entire encounter, and then I'm going to teach a little bit on it. So let's go to John chapter 11. And uh, I'm going to begin reading. John chapter 11, we're going to read this story. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Of God. We looked last week how he wasn't saying the sickness brought him glory, but what he was going to do about the sickness is what brought him glory. But for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That's a head tilt. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend, everybody say friend. Our friend, that's beautiful, Lazarus, sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. That you may believe. Mm, I want to preach on every verse. (laughs) So much in this. We literally could, I could teach on this for about a year out of this text. So much good in, good stuff in here. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who was called his twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been dead in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, oh, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher is come and is calling you. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw Mary, rose up quickly and went out and followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. 
And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I'm going to say that again because he's saying it to us, church. Did I not say that if you, you, you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then he took away the stone. They took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing around, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, Jesus shouts too. cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And, and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Whew, so much good stuff in here. There's a few thoughts I want to mine out of this text today for you. Number one, these guys were tight. Last week, I taught deeply about friendship with Jesus. There's three kinds of love. There's the agape love, which we're all thankful for. That means we can be complete idiots, and Jesus loves us anyway, and he saves us. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. That's the agape love. Then there's the erotic love, or the eros love, which is the romantic love. And then there is... The phileo love, which is friendship love, brotherly love, brothers and sisters. The kind of love most of us understand. You feel deeply. We cry with one another. We laugh with one another. We come to each other's birthday parties. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house was the place Jesus, it was his go-to place when he just wanted to chill. These guys knew each other and loved each other. Friendship, love, that's why Jesus was weeping. Even though God is God and He is sovereign, this is the mystery, the God-man. Even though Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead and end everybody's grief, at the same time, He feels their grief and He even groans and weeps with them. Isn't that, isn't our God amazing? You might think that's not worth much except for when you are desperate and lonely and weeping and grieving to know that jesus is sitting right there with you weeping with you is medicinal he feels you he understands you he knows what it's like to be alone he knows what it's like to be betrayed he knows what it's like to be uh, mischaracterized they called him demon possessed they know what it's like 
to be born into a family where everybody knows that Jesus is not Joseph, Joseph is not Jesus' dad, that he was born, or born out of wedlock, should I say, in a small town. Jesus understands societal shame. He understands being betrayed by all of his, forsaken by all of his friends, and ultimately forsaken by the Father, so we would never have to be forsaken. Jesus feels you. I say that to say this, just because you're close to Jesus does not mean you get to escape suffering. You see, when you're close with Jesus and you love him and you know that he loves you and then you are struck with an illness, disease, you get laid off, you get betrayed or whatever it might be. You begin to doubt the love of God or the power of God. He must not love me because look at me. He's not answering my prayers. Mary and Martha, Jesus, our brother whom you love. If you had been here, can you just, can you feel it? Can you, I mean, he'd been dead now four days. They called him two days before he died. So now it's been six days, four days of complete grief. I know Jesus loves us. He comes to our house all the time. I fed him. He slept at our house. I I was at his feet listening to him when he was teaching the word to us. We laughed together. We cried together. We sent for you, Jesus. Why didn't you come? Sometimes Jesus has something else up his sovereign sleeve and we just need to trust. I love that song we sang. He's working even when we don't see it or feel it. He's always working. Jesus had a sovereign plan. He was going to use that sickness for the glory of God. Their interpretation of that was that Lazarus would be healed. They had not even imagined that Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. Above and beyond. Everybody say above and beyond. Come on now. This isn't just Bible. If it's just Bible, it's just a history book. You got to own this. You got to take this in. You got to say, that is for me. And they had faith. Now, Now, watch this. How often do we believe until it looks hopeless? Believing for a loved one to be healed from sickness, like in this situation. And then the sickness progresses and your faith kind of drops a little bit. Why? Because the sickness got worse. As though that matters to Jesus. You see how we think in our natural mind? See where our natural mind goes? The sickness got worse and it gets worse and we're praying and praying and praying and it gets worse and worse and worse, praying and praying and praying. He's two days away from death. He didn't have a cold or a headache. He is so sick He is about to die. So here you have a loved one on their deathbed, 
two days away. And the doctor is saying, has about 48 hours left. At that point, you start calling people in to say your last goodbyes and your faith gets lower and lower and lower. But listen, we're dealing with Jesus. It does make, doesn't make any difference when it comes to the power of Christ, whether he heals on the first day it begins or heals after you die. Jesus said when they ripped the roof open and they laid this, brought this guy down on a mat that had been paralyzed for, I can't remember, his whole life or a long time. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven you. Clearly, his sickness came from a result of sin. Not always the case, but that is one source of sickness is sin. The Bible is very clear about that. The Bible says in the book of James, for the elders, if you're sick, call the elders of the church. They'll anoint you with oil. They lay hands on you. Pray the prayer filled with faith. And if you have committed any sins, they will be forgiven you. So sometimes, so in this case, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And then all the Pharisees, the, the religious people who had Jesus in this really tall, really tight, small box, like many times we do, they said, who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus is like, hey, you're catching on. <laughs> yeah. Mm. God is sitting right in front of you teaching you, and you can't even recognize. And he said this, what's easier for me to say, your sins be forgiven or rise or be healed? And he said, so that you can believe that the Son of God also has the power to forgive sins, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks out. You see, for Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're completely paralyzed, you've know, been that way for years, or if you have the deepest, darkest sin you think anybody's ever committed before. It's all the same to him. You're healed, you're forgiven. It doesn't matter what stage, how deep, how long it's been. It doesn't matter to Jesus. He is the Son of God who broke the power of hell, death, and the grave. Amen? So their faith was strong because he was two days away from death and they said, sin for Jesus. But then he waited until he died. Sometimes you can feel, think that God is not listening to your prayers because nothing's changing. Or that Maybe what's going on in my life really isn't that important because God has a whole planet of seven plus billion people to tend to. And he's a pretty small God when you really think about it because, you know, I mean, he can't take more. I don't think he could take care of eight billion people at one time, let alone seven. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But I do know that my little puny life can't be that important to him when he's got all these people to take. You see what we do with our tiny peanut brains? Come on, how many of you ever thought that? That what she said? She said she didn't. She told me she didn't think that her her need was that important to God. Yet the Bible says one sparrow doesn't fall from the sky apart from the Father's will, and he has every hair of your head numbered, which is a lot easier for some than others. For God, for some than others. As though that is easier for him. You see, we look at God through our natural lens. What was their problem? Why was their faith only to the level of healing, sickness, even up to two days before death, which is commendable faith? What was their problem? 
They had seen him heal before, but they had never seen him raise the dead before. So it wasn't even in their imagination. But our petitions and even our imagination does not contain and limit God. God is God. That's why we need to pray the biggest prayers we can even imagine. Because many times it will even go beyond those. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. This puny thinking and puny praying is an insult to the cross and the nature and the power of Almighty God. I want to get in so much trouble when I get to heaven because I asked for too much. Amen. He doesn't have to give it. But when he does, it proves that he likes it. I was talking to a couple of people this week. And they are solid Christians. And I was, well, I was talking about how um, I prayed for something. Somebody said to me, I don't believe this is going to happen. It just seems like it's, it's beyond. I said, okay, then I'm going to believe for more than that. And the exact thing I prayed for, which was above what they were even asking or thinking or imagining, is exactly what happened. And I gave a couple examples of that. And both of them said in our conversation, well, I don't pray for specifics. I, I just pray in general, your will be done. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Which I think is a huge mistake. Because when you pray specific prayers, when those specific prayers are answered, not all of them will be, when they are, who is the only one who will get the credit for it? It glorifies God. You see, the glory of God glorifies God. In this passage, it said that God, may, that God will be glorified through the Son. The Son did the miracle. They look to the Son, and they see the glory of God, which is the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And then Jesus says, Father, I'm saying this out loud, not because I'm, I, I need to, because you and I are always talking. And I know you always hear me, which is great confidence, which is what Jesus wants us all to end up walking with him like. That same level. I know you always hear me, Father. He wants us to get to the same stage he was at where we're not doubting whether God is hearing our prayers or not. He is constantly mentoring and nurturing us along the way to try to operate at the level he's operating at. A human being in the earth walking with Almighty God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can come to the place, that Jesus wants you to come to the place where you can say to the Father, Father, I know you hear me, and I know you always hear me. What if your kids were insecure about whether when they're talking to you, you're actually hearing them and listening to them? We would never want our kids to feel like we are ignoring them or not listening to them, too busy for them. At least if you're a good parent. Jesus is constantly trying to elevate our faith. He said to them, I'm glad that Lazarus died so that you may believe at a whole nother level. Eventually, these guys ended up raising the dead. In fact, in the book of Acts, I love it. There is, a, uh, there is an example of Peter raising 
a girl from the dead, and he did it exactly like Jesus did. Jesus walked into this place. This girl's dead. People were mourning and crying and weeping. He removed all the unbelief out of the room. Then he did the miracle. He raised it from the dead. Peter walked into the exact same scenario years later, and there was a bunch of people mourning over the death of a girl. He got all the unbelief out, and then he raised the girl from the dead. He's trying to model for us how we can walk with the Father just like he did in the earth. It's a quiet Methodist church in here this morning. This is some darn good preaching, man. This should be making somebody happy around here. I'm happy about it. I'm also happy that I'm going to eat a dang hamburger after church today. Whoever came up with the idea of a 21-day fast anyway. But I'm excited about the results of the fast. My flesh hates fasting, but man, my faith loves it. Because I know we're going to see the glory of God. Jesus is constantly trying to elevate our faith, family of God. I love it when a situation has gotten to the place where It's beyond hope. We just came into, we came to a situation recently in our own home where Hope's disability had been delayed. We've been needing it since November. They, they initially denied it. And we, we can't make it financially in the natural without her, her income, let alone her disability, which is half of her income. And so since November, well, you know, at one point uh, we were told it's just, not going to happen because we appealed. It, it just does not look like it is going to happen. And I thought, yes! <laughs> you can ask my wife. I'm not over, over, uh, I'm not exaggerating. I get excited when it is completely impossible or, or looks like there's just no way. Because then when it happens, he gets glory. The next day we got the phone call. And Hope's on the phone. I see her face. I'm like, "Mm." but here's the thing. I I was excited, but I wasn't excited. And I'm not saying like I'm Jesus Jr. What I am, you know, I'm supposed to be an example to the flock. So I'm an example in my screw-ups and in my victories. So just let me say this without you thinking I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Although I am in God's eyes. Okay. (laughs) I didn't go from zero, like dread, it's not going to happen, to, oh, Okay, that's that I was I was already about 85 to 90 percent. Oh, this is going to happen. And if it doesn't happen through the insurance company, God's going to provide somewhere somehow. How many times did I say to you, honey, he's always been faithful. He will always be faithful. He's been faithful. He is faithful. He'll be faithful. He's going to come through somehow. How many times did I say that to you? Just throw it out there. Huh? A bunch, she says, a bunch. And she's a scientist, so she's not going to exaggerate. A bunch. In scientific terms, that's at least five, okay? I love, I love conversing with people who have walked with Jesus for like 50 years or more. Because they have such a settled faith, because they have seen him 
again and 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 again. Answer prayer. And they've learned that sometimes he doesn't do it the way that we expect him to do it, but he's going to do something because he's Jesus. So don't doubt the love of God or the power of God. They are both untouched by our situation and our circumstances. I'm going to throw a little bone out here to the servers in the house. Those with a gift of serving, like the actual gift of serving, or they just jump every time there's a need. Martha always gets thrown under the bus because Mary was at Jesus' feet when, she, when he was teaching the word and in her home and she's down there worshiping and, and then Martha, you remember, says, tell Mary to come help me, you know, get the food ready. And Jesus says, Mary's chosen the better thing. I'm not going to stop her from listening to me teach the word. And so the people who love the word always throw the people who are doing all the work under the bus, right? <laughs> Guess who was the first one to call for Jesus and run out to him when he came into town? Martha. You see, just because someone's serving doesn't mean they're not worshiping. People with the gift of serving, that is their worship. Amen. It can get in the way and become works, and your relationship can become a work relationship with God. And you notice how they did not appeal to healing for their brother because they used to cook him food and, and give him hospitality. Oh, look what we've all done for you. Look how Lazarus would, would, would you know, be here for you and, and give you the best, you know, easy boy chair in the living room. And I used to cook you, you know, unleavened bread. And we used to do all this. Oh, Lazarus is such a wonderful man. Won't you please heal him? It, they did not appeal to him based on their worthiness. They appealed to him based on Jesus' love for Lazarus. We don't get healed because we're good. We get healed because he's good. If, you're gonna, if you are going to decide whether you can get healed or not based on your worthiness, your faith will fail every single time. And the devil will pounce on you and remind you of every sin you've ever committed. Now your faith isn't big enough. Get your eyes off yourself and get them on Jesus, the healer. And say to him, above and beyond, I want to see your glory. I love how Jesus called his condition sleep. Although Jesus knew that Lazarus was dead, he called him asleep. The way you and I look at our circumstance is not the way Jesus is looking at it. He's looking at our circumstance coupled with what he's going to do about it. One day I was driving down the road and I was really anxious because we had this $12,000 bill that was coming our way, which we did not have and zero source for it to come. I'm driving down the road and I'm anxious. This is just a few weeks ago. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're acting as though... I'm not going to provide for you. I mean, just, you know, spear through the heart and you're trying to drive down the freeway, you know. It's like you want to need to pull over and die. 
Do you act and behave and feel on the inside of your system, the anxiety, the fear, the unbelief? Do you, can you be honest and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times I act as though God's not going to provide for me. As though he's going to start being unfaithful now because of you. That's a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders. That you are going to undo the nature of God because, <laughs> because you are so pathetic. And your problem is so big that Jesus' knees are knocking together on the throne. You see, the truth is, your, your faith is not subject to the natural. The natural is subject to your faith. Faith changes the natural. Now, the disciples knew this, which is why when they couldn't cast the demon out of the boy, the son, and get him healed, they, they were surprised. May we be surprised when somebody's not healed. They had already healed and cast demons out of people, and they couldn't do it this time. And, and, and they said, Jesus, why, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, well, this level of devil needs a new level of faith. So let me tell you how faith operates. Then you give him a teaching on faith, and that faith is like a seed. And you plant it, and you nurture it, and it grows, and then you can cast this kind of devil out. New levels, new devils. Which is why I call it a 21-day fast at the beginning of every year, because I want to see new levels and new devils cast out of this spiritual community, out of, out of our city, and out of the world, wherever we travel, wherever we go. I want us to be Jesus followers, ambassadors of heaven, bringing the kingdom wherever we go. And we step out with the faith we have, and then we watch Jesus go above and beyond what we could even ask or think. Now, a few years ago, Jesus spoke to me in my prayer time spontaneously. It wasn't something I was praying about. I'm going to close with this. And he said to me, and I could feel his shepherding heart, like he had his staff out that the shepherds would beat the wolves back with. I could feel him, his disdain for the sicknesses and diseases in this spiritual community, the Gathering Place Church. And he said to me, write down, record every sickness and every disease in the house. And I came to the next elders meeting, and Gary was on the elders team at that time. And right before we started the meeting, Gary says, hey, before we start, I need to tell you something Jesus said to me. He wants us to write down every sickness and every disease in the house. And I felt, you see the, that, passage, that, that passage that Jesus groaned in the spirit? That word, that word groan, you got the definition of groan on my PowerPoint there? Chris, can I look at this? Anger, deep feeling, stern admonition. I felt that. What Jesus was doing at Lazarus' tomb, I felt it. His anger. Don't ever believe that God is the one who afflicted you with sickness and disease. When he poured out all the sickness and disease, every, even this coronavirus, went into Jesus Christ on that cross. Amen. It wasn't like every disease up to that point, but now new diseases have arrived. Therefore, no, we can't put God in that kind of a box. It's not like God can't do something that you haven't seen him do in the Bible before. That's silly. 
That's like saying you can't ever do anything for your kids you haven't already done before. We need to let God be God. God poured all sin, sickness, and disease that ever was and ever would be on the planet Earth into his his son's body on that cross, and Jesus took it to hell with him, and he left it there. Then he broke the power of death, rose from the dead. He called you by name into his family, and he said, now go in my name, heal the sick. Cast out devils, and I'm with you everywhere you go. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask you, and I brought this up in the pre-service prayer, which please, if you, please, join us at 930 right here, right here at this wall as we pray. Every Sunday before church. Look, my wife's battling cancer. I got five kids at home. I've got 14 dogs, three cats, and a couple squirrels. I got things going on too, and I'm here at 9.30. The leadership team here at 9.30. Others are coming at 9.30. God, when I prayed and said, how can we get more of your glory in the house? He said, more prayer. I said, when? He said, 9.30 before church. I said, that's a dumb idea because people don't even come to 10 o'clock on time for church. But... But I did it anyway, and, God, and people started coming, and God, we've been seeing more and more. We get testimonies now. The testimonies are starting to increase, and I know it's because we're obeying the Lord. That's called the fear of the Lord. I'm asking you to come at 930. The more of us that do it, I believe we're going to see more of God's glory this year. But this morning in pre-service prayer, I, I said what I just said to you about recording the sicknesses and diseases. And Mary, who's an intercessor, said, I've already been doing it, Pastor. She's way ahead of us. So she's already got... A list, and then I'm going to ask you, you can do it right now, just email info, I-N-F-O, info at gatheringplacechurch.org, and listen, I love your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your second and third cousin, I love your friend down the street and their niece, I, I love old, young, near and far, what I want us to start with is this house, Amen. this house. If you are a, a member of the Gathering Place Church, this is where you call your church home. Let's keep it right here. And as we start seeing more and more and more miracles come out of this place, it can go out and we can broaden it. We'll even get a reputation. If you want to get healed, go to the Gathering Place Church. But let's start here. So please, this week, send in the sickness or disease that you are dealing with. And we are going to be going, going after that, and we're going to watch God. Amen. Gary? Just as you were saying that, I'm thinking when you get that list together, we should go back to that testimony book we had and zip through some of, some of the amazing things God has done. As, as a faith builder? Yeah. So we, last time we did this, we had so many prayers, we started a testimony booklet. And we are literally knocking sickness and disease off the list. We got away from it, but we're back on it. So, we're going to get that testimony book out too. So, amen. All right. So, let's all stand. What a great day at church, huh? What a great faith building, loving the presence of God, people loving day at the gathering place. I love you and I love this place. And I'm so looking for that hamburger. And I'm looking for the Kansas City Chiefs to... I didn't say what. I just said I'm looking forward to the Kansas City Chiefs. I looked online and it's like 50-50. People believe in who's going to win. It's like 50-50. It'll be a fun game to watch. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down. Don't waste a message like this. 
and walk out. The Lord very clearly said to me and through a prophecy this morning that the Lord was going to use the word today to dismantle lies and set people free. The Bible says he sent his word and it, the word, healed them. That's the power of the word of God preached under the anointing. If your faith has increased through hearing the word preached today, get your butt down here and let these guys pray for you. And let's cast out some demons and see Jesus do some miracles and let Jesus be Jesus in this house. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, get down here and give your life to Jesus. Your sins will be forgiven and you'll experience the peace of God. If you're two days away from death, get down here and let these prayer teams pray for you and let's see the glory of God this year. Thanks, family. Love you.